to um, look at the Bible now. And we're going to worship as a response to uh, this morning's uh, message. And um, so if you want to follow the reading, if you've got a tablet device with you, it's also going to be on the screen. If you've even got a Bible, you know, one of these paper things, they are amazing. The power never goes down on them. You don't have to recharge them. They are amazing. Encourage you to find out more about one of these. So Luke chapter 10, and from verse 38, reading right through to 11, verse 13. And today I want to think uh, briefly about how we can walk more closely with Jesus. How can we learn to partner with the Holy Spirit to be more fruitful? What's the way to a fuller, more fruitful relationship with God? And and to challenge ourselves, what goes first when we get busy? So as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that, he, that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha. Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he'd finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine has come on a journey to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, you'll give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, you'll give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's pray. Thank you 
for your word. We thank you that by your word we can be changed because of the power of your Holy Spirit. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, as we just spend some time thinking about how we might grow more closely in relationship with you, more fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever seen the black and white footage of man's first attempts to fly? I was going to show a video, but it went on too long, so I just picked up a few um, pictures to show you. These amazing people who um, thought it would be a good idea to, to make wings and try to fly. And uh, there's another one. And uh, the last one. And, and tragically, that guy jumped off the Eiffel Tower in 1912. In those things, we can see a lot of flapping going on. I think we can take that off. And a huge amount of courage. But the flight was over very quickly. And it, through this passage that I want to share this morning, I believe the Lord doesn't want his church to be full of birdmen and women. That's what they were called, the birdmen. Communities of real courage and of frenzied flapping, but with little fruitfulness. Here, I believe in this passage, we are taught, reminded by Jesus, the key to partnership with him and the Holy Spirit. You may think, well, this is a strange message for for Pentecost Sunday, but we'll get there. Trust me, we'll get there. In chapter 10, verse 38, we're introduced to two sisters called Mary and Martha. If you're familiar with the New Testament, you'll know them. They're, they're They're sisters of Lazarus and really good friends of Jesus. They've opened their home to Jesus. And we assume not just to Jesus, but the disciples and other people who are around Jesus at the time. And in the passage, we get that feeling, if you read it, of Martha taking her responsibility really seriously. And soon she can be flapping like mad in the kitchen. And nobody can fault her for her love for Jesus. And her effort and work in serving him and those who have come with him. But she, you can read this in, you, when you read it out, that she is stressed. Do you not get that impression that, that Martha is a little bit stressed? And she gets increasingly frustrated and a little bit resentful. And in verse 40 it says, Martha is distracted by, and literally it means much ministry. She's distracted by so much. But it's all good. She's serving Jesus. It's all good. And her sister, Mary, is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to everything he says. And she can't hold it in any longer. And and she, she blurts it out. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me? To do all the work by myself, tell her to help me. I mean, that's exasperation, isn't it? 
Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, her eyes firmly fixed on him because she knows that this moment, this relationship matters more than anything else right now. It matters more than anything else right now. But there's more to it than this, isn't there? The thing with Martha, it's not just about the workload. Mary has actually crossed an invisible boundary. Women wouldn't be sitting at the feet of a rabbi. There was men's places and women's places. The women's place was where? In the kitchen. There were designated areas. But Mary has crossed that boundary. She's sitting with the men at the feet of Jesus, listening to everything. She is a disciple of Jesus. If you follow a rabbi, you're the one who who wants to imitate that rabbi. You'll be the one who says, I want to speak for him. There is a cultural boundary here that is, is being broken. And Jesus doesn't rebuke her. So she's chosen the best thing. It could have been bordering on scandalous. But Jesus wonderfully affirms her right to do so, her right in the kingdom. And you can then hear Martha's voice a little bit differently. It's not about the workload. Tell Mary she shouldn't be there. But she should. As we all should. And the overflowing love of God breaks the banks of culture and tradition and brings a new freedom. And Martha is, I believe, gently rebuked, admonished by Jesus. That's how I read it. I don't read it as, Martha, Martha! I don't see Jesus like that. I see him much more as, Martha, Martha. And she's not rebuked because of her activity. We need activity. And there's not somebody in the kitchen. We don't eat. So activity is not wrong. But we also need to sit at Jesus' feet. Because if we don't sit at his feet, there's no worship. And we were made for worship. Martha is too worried about what Mary's doing or not doing to see her own need, her own heart. Do you ever do that too? I do that sometimes. I'm more, I'm more concerned about what that person's not doing or doing and, rather than what my heart is doing. Ever had that? I know. I'm the only one. Martha. You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed in this moment. So that question I asked at the beginning, what goes first when you get busy? I mean, I guess we're all busy. It's almost a badge of honor sometimes in our society right now. Are you busy? I'm really busy. Oh, gosh. That's really impressive. I don't think so. I remember reading a book, I've forgotten who wrote it, but it was too busy to pray, and then they'd actually in the title it scrubbed out too busy not to pray. 
What goes first when we get busy? Peace? Joy? Time with Jesus? Does that get go, go when we get busy? And Jesus demonstrates what he means in, in practice. Beginning of chapter 11, verse 1, the question, if I were to ask you, when you think about Jesus, do you imagine he was really busy or not busy? Just in your mind's eye, you picture Jesus. Busy or not busy? Mm. I mean, nobody was busier than Jesus, was he? I mean, he had so many people clamoring for his attention. He often had, if you read the Gospels, he didn't have time to eat. He'd have to get in a boat to escape. People crying out for healing, demons addressing him by name. And even when the crowds went away, he still had those disciples around him. And if anyone might have been expected to flap, it was Jesus. But you read about Jesus and he, he takes time. Even in the midst of his busyness, he takes time to do that one thing that Mary was doing. Jesus, Luke tells us Jesus would withdraw, have unhurried time with the Father in heaven, with his Father, with the Holy Spirit. That time of alignment, of touching base, of perspective. You know that joy of having unhurried time to just enjoy God's presence, to sit with God. I was given a, an Amazon gift token for my birthday. What can you buy on Amazon? I mean, what would you... I mean, you know, you could spend the rest of your life just browsing. <laughs> I bought an egg timer. <laughs> and it was inspired by Ron Boyd McMillan's book. If you've not read the book, Heart is a Noisy Room, recommend it. Brilliant book. And it was just one line in it, about a, a, a testimony about a guy who, who bought a 15-minute egg timer. So I bought a 15-minute egg timer, and every morning now, before I do anything else, I put the egg timer on. Because even watching the clock didn't help me, but the egg timer suddenly, you know, somehow does help me. 15 minutes, just sitting at the feet of Jesus. May mean you have to get a little bit earlier, or whatever, or whenever you do it. I would recommend, let's have a rush on 15-minute egg timers. I wonder what's going on. Just to sit and know that he loves you. Know the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Before the temptation to hit the inbox and all the other things that clamor for our attention, first thing or last thing, or even in the middle of the day. Jesus teaches his disciples about prayer Prayer is that lifeline of discipleship. We know it so well. That's why it's such a spiritual battleground. You could describe it as the most important activity in our lives. Walking and talking with God. That relationship. That time of just honesty and openness before God. Bearing everything and anything before the one who loves us and can't love us anymore. Because he loves us so much. Who won't love us any less for anything. 
And Jesus teaches the, the kind of words that we can pray to follow his example, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer or Disciples' Prayer, that master class of prayer, beginning with that confidence. Our God is our Father in heaven. You could just sit for 15 minutes on that. Our Abba, Papa, however, we are loved. You are loved by God. Loved, liked, cherished. It's true. Part of his family. It's our true identity. Ever wondered what your identity is? Where do I fit in? Your identity is you're a child of God. It's your eternal destiny to be with Him. And we are free to worship Him. Holy is His name. We're part of His heavenly kingdom. We pray your kingdom come. It's a prayer on our lips every day, isn't it? As we see the world around us, your kingdom come, your will be done. And we are joint bringers of the kingdom. It's that testimony of Carol this morning. Something of the kingdom just broke in that moment. That display of kindness, that word, that gesture, it's a breaking in of the kingdom. It's done in the name of Jesus. It's going to bear fruit, whatever it is. And yes, we can come to him in our needs. I have met people who say, oh, I can't, I can't pray about me. I can't bring my needs to God. You know, there's, there's so much more important things that he's dealing with right now. And he wants to know. He wants to know what's on your heart. Yes, he knows it already, but he wants to hear it from you. Would you just open up and just blurt it all out? Or I'm so afraid if I, if I start, I won't stop. If I open that, I won't stop. Well, then open it. he's in the business of healing and restoring and redeeming, setting free. And forgiveness. What a privilege we have. We can come back and say, forgive me, Lord. Because we all need his grace. And help us to forgive others with the same grace we receive. We receive strength to sin less, to resist the temptations of the enemy. Yes, it's a model prayer. Never meant just to be read by rote without thinking about it. A model. Prayer is not just me asking God into my world to serve my needs, but prayer is God asking me into his kingdom to serve his purposes. And then Jesus tells this story about being bold in prayer. I haven't got time to go into to the details. It's, I could have preached a 
different message on each of these bits, but I wanted to bring it all together. But he, he includes this story about being bold in prayer, or audacious in prayer. He tells a story about a friend who, who has a friend visiting, and it's, it's customary. You have to provide hospitality. That's the norm. You've run out of food. And you go and wake your friend up at midnight. Have you ever done that? Have you ever actually gone to your friend's house and woken them up at midnight and tapped gently on the door? And of course they don't hear you, so you have to tap louder. And of course he's in bed with his family because it's the one room and all that. We understand the cultural bit of that. And Jesus says, he won't get up because you're his friend, but because you're just annoying, he will get up. Because of your boldness and tenacity and your need, because that's why you're banging on the door. If you didn't have a need, you wouldn't be banging on the door. And that's that picture of prayer about Jesus saying, Would you, if you have a need, you just go bang on the door. And you keep banging on the door. And we as a church, we've been praying that hungry prayer for how many years now? 20 odd years we've been praying for revival as a church or more than that. And we're just continuing to bang on the door because we feel passionate about it. Unless God moves, we're not going to see our nation changed. God, would you come? No, Lord, we need you now. You know that's true. You know when you've been so desperate, you, you have just been on your knees crying out to God. Because that's the real prayer that's going on, isn't it? That's not formulaic. That's not words you've learned at Sunday school or whatever. That's the heart crying out. And Jesus says, that's good too. You keep boldly knocking. And if you haven't received yet, will you keep boldly knocking? He works all things for the good. So we trust. And then he comes to the, that sort of climax of this teaching and he says, um, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Do you hear the promise of Jesus? If you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be opened. And we will receive more. How much more, says Jesus, will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You, Though we're sinful and broken, we know how to give good gifts to people. To our children, we know how to give good gifts. How much more, says Jesus, will he give the Holy Spirit? And in one way, we can see this as an aim of all Jesus' teaching here on prayer is to equip us to partner with his Holy Spirit. And in a way, for the sake of emphasizing, when he says about ask and you'll receive, it's the Holy Spirit. Seek and you'll find the Holy Spirit. Knock and the door be open, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus assures us throughout his teaching that the gift of the Father 
is another like him. Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. And we can have a relationship with him and know more of him. And that promise of the Holy Spirit belongs to every believer. Will he give you the Holy Spirit? Yes, he promises. Go on being filled, Paul says. Go on being filled. It's the best gift. So maybe time to stop flapping. And instead just reach out to him, receive from him. Even today, maybe today. He says only one thing is needed. Do you need Jesus today? Do you need more of the Holy Spirit today? This is the good news. You can have more. Should we pray? I'm going to ask Henry to come back. I'm going to ask him to play over us that song that he played during our time in the offering. We are going to respond in worship, but I just want us to start by just being quiet and allowing this song and the melody and the words, if you want to look at the words, just to wash over us this morning as we say, Lord, we ask you, for more of the Holy Spirit. Breathe on me, breath 
is from Jesus this morning how much more will my father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask and maybe it's just time to ask to open up to allow Holy Spirit to work to bring healing maybe freedom the word that came to me as we were just listening was Maybe someone who feels trapped this morning. I don't know why you feel trapped, what's trapping you, but the Lord wants to deal with that today. To bring a release. So come, Holy Spirit, we love your presence. We're your people, your children whom you love. So if you'd like to stand as we worship, I invite you now as we continue to sing. If you want to be still, quiet, that's fine. If you want to come and receive prayer, that's fine as well. We just use this time. If the Lord puts a word on your heart, please come share it with Edward or myself. But let's take this opportunity that we have to draw near to the Lord receive afresh. Maybe you just need to position yourself in a way. Not that that matters in everything, but sometimes it just helps to open up. So let's worship. Thanks, Annie. 